Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Episode number two of the Believe in Minnesota Football podcast, presented by the Believe Podcast Networks. Today's episode will include a full breakdown of the Gophers' week one matchup with Ohio State. We'll have on air our first guest with Matt Kennedy, a student sports journalist at the University of Minnesota. And uh, we talk all things Gophers, Ohio State. We give the uh, biggest storylines, a full breakdown of the Ohio State roster, and w- what the Gophers' path to victory would look like on September 2nd. Um, today's episode is brought to you by La Terrain Watches. Uh, you can go to la T O U R A I N E dot com. That's law dash terrain dot com today and put in code RTB at checkout for 10% off your order. Let's get into the episode. All right, um, let me now introduce a very special guest, uh, student sports journalist at the University of Minnesota and uh, Gophers football uh, reporter for the Minnesota Daily, uh, Matt Kennedy. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Matthew Kennedy and Instagram uh, at two underscores, Matt Kennedy, two underscores. Um, <laughs> how, how's, it, how's it going today, Matt? Uh, it's going good. You know, um, it's always a good day when college game day is back and I see, you know, Herbie, um, I don't know if Corso's on the set, but we got Herbie, we got Desmond Howard, we got Reese Davis. It's going to be a good day. Glad college football is back week zero, baby. Let's go. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so today I guess we'll, uh, kind of preview, uh, the Gophers, uh, week one matchup next, uh, Thursday against Ohio state. Um, r- right off the bat, do you got any uh, instant impressions from Ohio State and the way that they match up with the Gophers? Uh, well, instant impressions on Ohio State is that, you know, P.J. Fleck has been saying this the entire summer, and just the media has too. And they would say the same thing about Alabama and Clemson. They don't rebuild. They reload. And I'm looking at, you know, Ohio State's depth chart on defense right now, and um, they're looking like they're going to be starting all upperclassmen. It's just it's the fact that those upperclassmen haven't really um, got a lot of playing time. They have four returning starters, but they're all juniors and seniors. Like I'm looking at their depth chart right now. I can't find one freshman or sophomore. So they've been in the program 
and they know how to play Ohio State football. So it's not like Ohio State, like a lot of people are saying Ohio State's inexperienced, but that doesn't mean they're young. It just means they haven't got a lot of playing time. So my first impression on Ohio State is that, um, you know, it's going to be interesting seeing their upperclassmen play um, in an actual game that sold out at Huntington Bank Stadium because they probably they didn't start last year, but they probably got a lot of playing time in a COVID-19 Big Ten setting without fans. And um, it'll be interesting to see their defense in a, again, in a sold out Huntington Bank Stadium. And I can't wait to go report there with you. So, yeah, it should be super fun. Um, so. Yeah, uh, kind of going off what you said, uh, Ohio State last year, uh, like most people know, they went 7-1, and one, uh, won the Big Ten Championship over Northwestern. Uh, Northwestern gave them a, a run for their money in the first half, but Ohio State uh, came through in the end. And then uh, they the Buckeyes came up short in the national championship against uh, Alabama. So then uh, coming into this year, they did lose 12 starters, uh, most notably Justin Fields. And then you got running back Trey Sermon, uh, defensive back Sean Wade, uh, linebacker Tough Borland, and then uh, offensive lineman Wyatt Davis, who's now in the Vikings. But uh, like you said, they reload. They don't rebuild. And uh, they have a lot of talent and not uh, necessarily that much uh, on-field experience, but they have veteran players. Yes. Um, so – Kind of heading into this game, uh, I feel like the biggest identity for Ohio State this year will be uh, their wide receiver room, uh, led by Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. Uh, many view uh, both of them two of, if not the best, wide receivers in all of college football. And uh, I've seen some uh, – like most recently I saw PFF, uh, Pro Football Focus. They're a big um, – NFL draft, college football, they just do all football coverage. They view Garrett Wilson as a, a better prospect than Chris Olave, but I'd say the consensus has Olave over Wilson. Um, but the rest of Ohio State's wide receiver room, they have uh, Jackson Smith Nigba and Julian Fleming, who are both five-star recruits behind Olave and Wilson. And then they have um, son of Hall of Famer, uh, Hall of Fame wide receiver Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, as their fifth wide receiver. So their wide receiver room is very talented, and they'll be going up against uh, Minnesota secondary, who's who has has some experience at the Big Ten level, but um, they obviously lost Benjamin St. Juice to the NFL last year. So it, I feel like that will is kind of the biggest storyline going in if the Gophers are able to contain because uh, Ohio State's wide receivers you can't uh, stop them you can only can slow them down so kind of how do you see that matchup uh, heading into week one uh, Gopher fans if you're listening um, you should be um, like I don't remember in the PJ Fleck era that the Gophers have had to play against such a talent wide receiver group you should be a little spooked about Ohio State's wide receiver room, because like you said, and, you know, P.J. Flex said this in a press conference last week, this is one of the most talented wide receiver um, corpses he's ever seen, like in college football. Um, you know, I, I, I mean, I could pull up a quote from P.J. Fleck about Chris Olave, but what I remember from, from him saying yesterday is that he's smooth, he's fluid, 
Um, he it doesn't really have the biggest build, but he can go up and get balls against some of the bigger um, safeties and cornerbacks. So um, he can pretty much do it all in the slot and outside. And then um, Garrett Wilson is kind of like Chris Olave, but he doesn't really have um, that go up and get it playmaking ability. He's more of a fast slot guy. Um, so, um, and then, like you said, the, their other three wide receivers are all five-star talents and um, you know, they could pop off at any moment in the game. So this is, this is the year where I think it is the start. It could be the start. It depends on how Ohio state's quarterback plays. It could be the start of, you know, an Ohio state possible um, dynasty in college football, because I'm not sure um, Tony, you're probably aware, but I'm not sure if people are listening. They are absolutely dominating recruiting. Um, like it's something like um, that has never been before seen in college football and Ohio state after this year is only going to get better. I mean, they even, I mean, to not just talk about wide receivers, um, Quinn Ewers is not the top high school quarterback prospect um, in my opinion, since Trevor Lawrence um, for um, isn't playing his senior year at a, I forgot what high school it was. I think it, it, its name is South Lake Carroll. I may butcher that. I might, may get that wrong, but it's in Texas. Yeah, somewhere um, in Texas. Yeah, and he threw – his favorite target actually was Brady Boyd, who's an incoming freshman wide receiver on the Gophers. But uh, he's going to be in their system. I don't expect him to get, like, any playing time or at all this year. He might just redshirt. Um, but this is a very – one thing that Ohio State doesn't have a problem with is depth. Their problem is – like we've been talking about with our defense earlier, it's just in-game experience. And if they can, you know, adapt to playing in those sold-out games and with crowds, with fans, and highly pressurized situations, this is a dangerous team that, in my opinion, could win a national championship this year. Oh, yeah. I completely agree with everything that you said. It should be very interesting to see um, how they how they develop their young talent uh, under uh, Ryan Day, because now this is his third full year as head coach. It seems like he's been there way longer, but uh, it, yeah, it should be very interesting how they uh, use all this high-level five-star recruits that they've gotten. And it um, does seem like, you know, it does seem like Ryan Day has been there a long time, and it's only his third year as head coach because, you know, with all the Urban Meyer stuff that was happening, he was kind of like an interim head coach, and I don't know how long he was, but you know, it seems like Ryan Day has been there for like five or six years. And when I went to Big Ten Media Days in Indianapolis, there were two days and the day where Ohio State came, they were treated like the Secret Service. It was like Ohio State was above everybody else. Like Ryan Day had like a security guy or two walking around him and he just had, um, you know, he, he, he was treated basically like the president. And it was just it's um, it's really interesting to see kind of the transformation of Ryan Day, you know, this young guy who came in after Urban Meyer, um, just completely dominating recruiting and becoming one of, um, if not, I mean, you still got Nick Saban, Dabble Swinney, but if not the best coach in college football right now. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I find it interesting because if you ask uh, most college football fans, they'll obviously say Nick Saban, uh, Dabble Swinney uh, before uh, Ryan Day. Uh, some people might even bring up Kirby Smart and Lincoln Riley's name. But I agree with you that he uh, has d deserved to be at least number three in that conversation. So uh, I agree their long-term outlook as a program is very interesting, and they should uh, expect to be Ohio State uh, level 
for quite some time. Um, so kind of uh, going into uh, another big storyline. And before you go into that, Ohio State level, like they are getting beyond Ohio State level. Like what we think about Ohio State is that they win the Big Ten, they beat Wisconsin um, in the Big Ten championship, and then they go to a bowl game and they'll either lose Clemson or beat Clemson. Um, and then they, um, you know, make the championship game or don't make the championship game. And then they end up losing like Ohio State. Um, they were the only four seed in college football playoff history to win a championship in the playoff era. And that was the first championship won in the playoff era. And ever since then, they have not won a championship. So you got to be thinking, you know, um, or, you know, is it about time that Ohio State, you know, makes that little tiny extra jump that is needed to, you know, um, become a championship team. And I think, um, in my opinion, if they solve their quarterback and experience this year, which I think is really um, their only glaring issue, um, there's no reason why they shouldn't be um, in the college football playoff. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get right into that. It, it's uh, yeah. so uh, redshirt freshman, freshman uh, CJ Stroud uh, will be making his first career start in Huntington Bank Stadium against the Gophers. Um, the, it's obviously a huge storyline because uh, CJ Stroud was a four star recruit in 2020, five star on some sites. Um, yeah. uh, he won uh, the Elite 11 uh, quarterback competition MVP his senior year, which is uh, uh, always an interesting competition between some of the top quarterbacks in the country. Um, so he had just as good of an argument as uh, Bryce Young and uh, DJ Uyunglele to be the top quarterback in the country, I think. I think it was kind of a three-man race between all three of them. Um, but so heading into this game, he'll make his first career start, and he obviously has uh, quite the talent to rely on at wide receiver uh not many freshman quarterbacks making their first start can say they have five five-star recruits they're throwing to. Um, so how do you think uh, C.J. Stroud will handle his first career start? And what do you think of him as a quarterback, I guess? So C.J. Stroud is a quarterback. He is very um, – I haven't seen a lot of C.J. Stroud, if I'm being honest, because he hasn't had a lot of playing time. But from what I can tell, um, he is very – he's comparable to Justin Fields, but Justin Fields has a bigger arm. Um, and CJ Stroud is more of kind of, he's like a mix of JT Barrett and Justin Fields. He, he can run the football. Um, you know, his only playing time last year was against Michigan state. He had one attempt. He had a 48 yard rush for a touchdown. Um, so he can move on his legs and, um, this will be interesting to see, um, you know, how he plays against the Gophers, because this is kind of like, here we go again for the Gophers, because, um, last year. Their first game was against Michigan, against Joe Milton, who was in the same situation as C.J. Stroud. Now, Joe Milton didn't really have a great rest of his 2020, um, but Joe Milton, no doubt his best game of the season was week one against the Gophers. I mean, when I was watching that game last season, I mean, Joe Milton, if anybody doesn't know, he was a dual threat quarterback at Michigan, and he didn't have a lot of playing time and he was penciled in as their starter and he completely dominated the Gophers. They won the game 49 to 24. And I'm pretty sure he had over 300 yards passing and around, you know, 80, 90 or hundred yards rushing. Don't quote me on his rushing stats, but I know he got over um, 
300 passing yards, I think. So um, CJ Stroud has a much better, um, I don't know if he has a much better offensive line than what Joe Milton had. Um, I'm, I know Ohio State has one of the best, if not the best offensive lines in the Big Ten because they're just Ohio State. Um, but his wide receiver core and is insane. And he also has a running back that, you know, if he doesn't need to carry the load, Master T can win them games. So I think C.J. Stroud, what he needs to do against Minnesota is he's just got to trust his receivers and just um, he's got to trust his receivers to get open because I feel like um, one of my worries for the Gophers going into this game is that, um, you know, who do you trust a cornerback besides Coney Durr? Because Coney Durr has been there. He's played in big games. Um, he's been the Gophers starting cornerback since 2019, maybe earlier. And he's played in big games such as Penn state. Um, and I think he guarded KJ Hamler in that game. Um, I don't know. I forgot if KJ Hamler was in that game, but um, he's an NFL talented wide receiver. And he also guarded Quintez Cephas in a big game against Wisconsin in 2019. Um, so I think the keys for CJ Stroud is to play it safe, let your receivers do the work and uh, it should all work out if he, if he does that. So, because, you know, um, Minnesota's defense is really experienced. Um, but again, we have not seen them ever since I think against a year ago against Michigan playing this big of a game with this big of stakes. Yeah. I, I agree with everything that you said. Um, they, so, uh, back to the elite 11 quarterback competition, they always do like a documentary series on YouTube every year. And I, uh, watch that every uh, season it comes out. And I remember watching the year with uh, C.J. Stroud and uh, Bryce Young was kind of the favorite going into the competition and uh, D.J. Uyunglele, or actually, I don't think he uh, he might have not competed in it, but uh, whatever. Uh, yeah, I in that competition, I kind of came away. C.J. Stroud is the the prototypical high level uh, quarterback recruit. He looked uh, very poised and uh he has all the arm talent in the world, all the athleticism, everything you can really ask for, the size. Um, so kind of going into this game, it really just comes down to uh, if he'll, he won't let the moment get too big for him. Because obviously uh, week one last year, Joe Milton went into his first career start and it was an empty stadium. That's a completely different experience. And I feel like right. uh, going into Huntington Bank Stadium with a sold-out crowd, uh, under the lights week one, it's going to be a lot to ask for a redshirt freshman quarterback of any caliber, let alone CJ Stroud. So uh, I think a huge key for the Gophers is going to be uh, utilizing their crowd momentum to uh, utilizing it and using it uh, to their advantage. Because uh, I think if they limit uh, their own um, – offensive uh, short drives, like limit quick three and outs. And if they get pressure on CJ Stroud on the other end and force him to make mistakes, I think if they keep the momentum going, cause they're going to have it right at kickoff. So I think that's going to be important to uh, not let CJ Stroud get comfortable. And I feel like that's going to be one of the biggest keys to the game. Yeah. And um, you know, there have been quarterbacks that have struggled with crowd noise at Huntington Bank Stadium before. I mean, if you look back to Penn State game 2019, Sean Clifford's first year as their starter, I mean, he played 
at Iowa. Um, he had an okay game. He was 12 for 24 for 117 yards and a touchdown. Um, so he played in a you know hostile atmosphere before, but then he came to Minnesota and uh, he actually had over 300 yards passing that game, but you know, he had three interceptions and maybe it was just some miscommunications with some of his wide receivers and some of those um, interceptions in that iconic game of November 9th, um, 2019 um, when Minnesota upset number four, Penn state. So um, the crowd noise definitely is a factor. Um, and um, especially for Ohio state and CJ Stroud in his first game ever as a college quarterback at the Ohio state university, you're going to be coming into a sold out Huntington bake stadium with fans who are just craving to see the Gophers do well, because um, let's not beat around the bush here. 20, uh, 2020 was a really disappointing season um, and fans really want to be loud and support their team and help the Gophers um, reach their first Rose bowl, you know, since the sixties. So. Yeah, I agree with that. Oh, uh, back to the crowd noise, the easiest way to lose a home field advantage is to give your home crowd, nothing to cheer for. And uh a lot of punts and short drives kind of take uh, the air out of the stadium. And then if you can get those big uh, turnovers and, and uh, big plays on the defensive end, uh, it can get the crowd rocking again. So I think uh, just not letting CJ Stroud get comfortable is going to be one of the biggest things. Um, so, yeah, we talked about their uh, quarterback and wide receiver, which will definitely be, uh, the strength of Ohio State this year, the passing attack, no doubt about it. Um, they're talented everywhere. So I, I, even at running back, they have uh, now a junior Master Teague the third, um, kind of going into his first year as the main guy. And uh, even behind him, they have a uh, true freshman, uh, five-star running back Travion Henderson, who, uh, according to some reports and articles, he's been looking really good in camp. So. He's a stud. Yeah. Uh, what's your uh, kind of uh, take on Ohio State's running backs and how do you think uh, they will match up against the Gophers? I mean, here's the thing. Ohio State's always going to have good running backs. It's like I don't remember there was a year where Ohio State didn't have like a running back where they're like, OK, we can't trust this guy. Ohio State's always going to have a guy. He may not be like Ezekiel Elliott, um, but he's going to like you can give him carries behind that Ohio State offensive line and he can win you games. And that's what I see out of Master Teague. Master Teague um, had a pretty good 2020. He didn't have a great 2020, but he had a pretty good 2020. And I feel like with more experience, um, with that year under his belt, he's going to be even better this season. And, you know, Travion Harrison, his 24-7 sports composite is a 98-72. Uh, um, he's um, the number one ranked running back in the country and nationally um, coming into this season. He was the 23rd ranked overall recruit. Um, and he is the second best recruit in the state of Virginia. Um, so Trayvon Harrison is the real deal. And Ohio State, not just at wide receivers, they're going to have some running backs that can really um, mess up Joe Ross's defensive game plan. But um, the good thing about this is I'm not as worried about the Gophers secondary as I am with their front seven. Their front seven is experienced and um, like most of their linebacking core um, had playing time last year, and they got those transfers. Um, Niles Pinckney from Clemson, Val Martin. I'm not as worried about the Gophers defending the run, obviously, as defending the pass, because Ohio State, like we just said, has one of – and, and like P.J. Fletcher uh, said um, last week, 
it's one of the best wide receiver cores in the Big Ten in a long time. So um, I'm not as worried about defending the Gophers defending against these running backs in Ohio State's offensive line. We, I, the Gophers have Boye Mafe. Um, they got Mariana Sori Marin as well. We're both experienced guys and really know what they're doing and have gotten a ton of playing times. So, um, but it's definitely going to be a factor because, you know, it's Ohio State. They're always going to have good running backs and they're always going to have a good offensive line. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, if I remember correctly, I think Master Teague uh, started uh, 2020 as the number one guy, and then he had uh, an Achilles injury, and then uh, Trey Sermon kind of took over for him. Yes. Um. So this will kind of be like his full, uh, his first full season as the number one guy, and I I think Travion Henderson might have a pretty big role on this team because Master Master Teague, like you said, is a top level running back, but I don't see him as the same caliber as uh, J.K. Dobbins or Trey Sermon, but he's definitely a, a, a upper echelon Big Ten running back. So it should be interesting to see how they how he and uh, Travion Henderson runs behind Ohio State's offensive line. Because uh, if you look at, like, the top programs in the country, like the, the Alabamas, the Oklahomas, the Georgias, those three teams uh, often have uh, – first round picks on the offensive line and they have top offensive lines in the country. But then if you look at Clemson and Ohio state, they're always obviously competing for a national championship, but they don't often have as many first round offensive line uh, draft picks. So, and I feel like this year is going to kind of be the same uh, for Ohio state. Like they're, they're uh, front, their first five offensive linemen all have NFL potential, obviously but I don't see any of them being like elite level options on the offensive line. And uh, most notably Thayer uh, Moonford is probably their number one guy at left tackle. He's probably has the potential to be a first round pick, but he's probably more of a day two guy in the NFL draft. Uh, but overall, like I feel like Ohio state's offensive line is going to kind of be just an Ohio state offensive line. They're going to, uh, not be a big hole in their offense, but I don't think it'll be a strength. Like this, this team's bread and butter is going to be uh, the passing attack. They're going to uh, try to move the ball on the outside. They're going to have master Teague to rely on, but I, I don't think uh, the running game will be a huge part of this team's offense. It'll be a, at the passing. Game. And this will be an interesting, you know, battle of RPO offenses because um, Tanner Morgan in his press conference yesterday is like, you can't run the RPO if you can't run. Both these teams can run. Um, the thing is, the Gophers have a, you know, a better running game, I believe, than Ohio State with all their offensive linemen returning and um, Mo Ibrahim. So they are going to probably, you know, run some more running plays. And then Ohio State, I believe, if they don't really trust C.J. Stroud to make, you know, those big-time deep balls, um, they're going to be doing a lot of RPOs and running some bubble screens, quick slants, and eventually that's going to tire out um, the Gophers secondary. The Ohio State can run no huddle. Um, they can keep on going, going, going. And then um, it's just it, it could turn into a track meet for the Gophers defense. So um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, those two different styles of RPO offenses go head to head. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, so now let's kind of look at the Ohio State defense. They, they had a good amount of turnover, uh, kind of uh, eight ish uh, major contributors move on to the NFL uh, most notably they lost almost their entire linebacking core uh, with um, tough Borland uh, Baron Browning 
um, Pete Werner and Justin Hilliard. Um, but like Ohio State does, they re- uh, they have they reload. They don't rebuild. And uh, on the defensive line side, uh, their two biggest names is going to be five star uh, defensive end Zach Harrison, who has legit top fifteen, top ten NFL draft uh, talent, and then Haskell Garrett on the inside, who's also a surefire NFL player, great interior defense alignment at the Big Ten level. So what's kind of your impressions on Ohio State's uh, front seven? Yeah, Ohio State's front seven, um, they're – Haskell Garrett and Tyreek Smith are a real deal, especially Haskell Garrett. Haskell Garrett's going to be a, um, a first-round draft pick. And then, you know, to round out their defensive line, Zach Harrison is all, also a great defensive end. He's going to have a great season, in my opinion. And then um, – Antoine Jackson, I don't know much about Antoine Jackson. He's kind of just um, the odd guy out in that starting defensive line. Um, but, you know, he, uh, I believe he's going to have a great year too. Um, you know, Ohio State with their defense, again, it's kind of a lot of it's, – it's a lot of question marks, but it, um, I don't really feel like, you know, most of these guys um, are going to have – you know, a tough start or tough sledding or, you know, make a lot of mistakes because they are coached um, under Ryan Day under an Ohio State defensive coaching system. So um, I've also heard great things about Kayvon Pope. Um, I saw him a lot in the college football playoff. I I don't, he didn't start, but um, I think he made a lot of, um, I remember seeing him on the field and he was flying around. So, um, you know, they return a starting cornerback in seven banks. Um, He was, kind of the guy on the other side with um, Sean Wade last year. Um, but then again, like I know more about Ohio State's offense because um, on offense, they, they just return more guys and they have more high profile players. Um, and then they also have Marcus Williamson, who is returning as a safety. Um, so Ohio State, I'm not worried about them on defense, but it should be, you know, it, it should be interesting to see them going against a incredibly experienced Gophers offense has had a lot of playing time. I mean, when you talk about this Gophers offense, I mean, they pretty much return. Do they return their entire starting offensive line? Yes. Okay. Yeah. They return their entire starting offensive line. Um, They have a three-year starter in Tanner Morgan. Um, They have Mo Ibrahim, who has gotten so much playing time ever since his breakout game against um, Wisconsin in 2018 when the Gophers won that ax game. And um, I think the only – Gophers question mark on offense is at wide receiver because Chris Ottman Bell, he's still day to day. Nobody knows if he's going to be ready for Ohio state. And you got as their number two wide receiver, um, you probably have um, Dalen Wright, who's a four-star wide receiver from Texas A&M. And um, I'm not sure if he knows the playbook that well, but um, you know, that inexperience at wide receiver for the Gophers could play into Ohio state's favor because they do have seven banks they have Marcus Williamson, um, who are some great players, and they played games for Ohio State. Um, so I think the only question mark about Ohio State is, is their front seven that has not played in a lot of big game settings? I, they have probably played in big game settings. They just haven't started. Um, are they going to be punched in the mouth early on, and are the Gophers going to jump out um, to a great offensive start, or are they going to stop them right away? Yeah, I agree with uh, – yeah, I agree with that. Uh Ohio State's strength will definitely be on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, they could be a team that gets into a lot of shootouts this year. 
because their their defense is obviously talented, but I don't think it is uh, like to the level of some Ohio State defenses in the past. Um, but even uh, further on their defense, I think their strength will be the secondary because they return a lot of guys who uh, started a lot of games last year, like you said, with Seven Banks, Marcus Williamson, and Josh Pro- Josh, Josh Proctor. Um, I, I think uh, it should be an interesting uh, matchup, like you said, because uh, the Gophers have had all the experience on the offensive side of the ball, and Ohio State hasn't. So uh, coming out to a fast start, like you said, I think is going to be super important um, because if you uh, let guys who don't have that experience get comfortable in the big moment early, that, that takes away the whole advantage you had to start the game. So uh, it should be very interesting to see how uh, the beginning of the game starts on both ends of the ball. Um, but I think Ohio or the Gophers offense matches up much better against Ohio State's defense than the Gophers defense matches up against Ohio State's offense. Correct. Yes. Yeah. And I believe, like, just to go off of that, I believe if you want to have running success against Ohio State and your Minnesota and you, in my opinion, have by far and away the best running back in the Big Ten and Mo Ibrahim, maybe in the country, um, this is the best time to do it against Ohio State. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Kind of just going off of that, uh, what the biggest matchups, I think, uh, position group for position group will be. Uh, obviously, we talked about the Gophers uh, secondary against Ohio State's wide receivers. I think that will really determine the game because if Ohio State's wide receivers get comfortable and are uh, productive and if they have like a 500-yard passing game, I don't see a way how the Gophers are going to be able to keep up with that. So – like uh, the Gophers need to know that they can't let Ohio State beat them in the passing game. Let them beat them any other way. Like uh, they can run the ball on them. Uh, it can be more like short intermediate routes, but they cannot let Ohio State just run wild and uh, turn the game into a shootout. Cause I don't know if the Gophers have enough firepower on uh, their passing attack to keep up with Ohio State. Yeah. And you know, Besides Coney Durr, Terrell Smith has been a name in camp and he's been around and he's um, been making some plays, but I, I don't know, like, can you trust Terrell Smith to guard an Olave or a Wilson? I'm not sure. I mean, Terrell Smith is probably could be the Gophers number two starting cornerback, but um, is he truly ready for this test? Because, um, you know, I guess we will see coming in the week one um, and what happens in week one, but, um, you know, also for the Gophers, I mean, you have Jordan Howden at safety. Jordan Howden's had a lot of playing time. Um, same with Tyler Newbin. Um, so they should be able to cover, like, what I expect Ohio State to do right out of the gates. They're going to run some bubble screens. They're going to run some quick slants. And that is, like, I play as safety in high school. Um, as a safety, you got to make sure that those slants, that you got to make wide receivers feel uncomfortable and hit them right away when they're about to catch the ball. And if they get a bubble screen, you have to go out in the flat and tackle them. So, and I think Jordan Howden, Tyler Newbin have the potential to do that. You know, I and Jordan Howden, he had that huge interception against Penn State to seal the game um, in 2019. Um, but we will see if him and Tyler Newbin can really be the safety core to take this Gophers defense to the next level because Howden, Newbin, and Durr are the heart of the Gophers secondary. Terrell Smith, I'm not really sure yet. Um, I, you know, 
I hope he does really well against Ohio State, but we'll have to see. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, Justin Wally is also a name that has impressed during camp. I don't know how big his role is going to be early in the season as a true freshman, mm-hmm. but as the year goes on, he's a guy who could carve out a significant role in the secondary because uh, there's definitely room for him to fit in because there's not there's experience at the number two possession position with Terrell Smith, but there's not that clear cut like Terrell Smith has to play every week all game. So I think Wally could even see the field week one. I don't know how for how much, but yeah, and it'll be it'll be interesting too because the Gophers number one, you know, recruit. They had a great recruiting class, flex best recruiting class 2021. I'm interested to see if this week um, they're going to give Steven Ortiz Jr. any playing time because I'm really excited about Steven Ortiz Jr. Um, on defense. He was their best um, defensive cornerback. They also had another guy named Devontae Dickerson um, commit, but he went somewhere else. I forgot if it was Nebraska or Oregon. I think it was Oregon. It was Oregon, okay, because yeah. it was like a toss-up between Nebraska or Oregon. So um, I'm interested to see if he gets any playing time. Um, when Fleck talks about you know DBs, he never really talks about Ortiz Jr., so I don't think um, – he may get a lot of playing time, but also um, one guy that Flex said in fall camp that's doing a great job is Darius Green, and he's a DB. Um, I forgot if he plays cornerback or safety, but I expect him to get some playing time. So it's not like the Minnesota secondary is as um, – it's not like it's completely, like, new or it's a gigantic hole, but um, on their defense, if I would have to say if the, their weakest point would probably be their secondary, at least – in this game against Ohio state going against these wide receivers. So, and you know, last um, year they had Benjamin St. Juice. So I'm wondering how, you know, Coney Durf, Jordan Howard and Tyler Newman are going to step up and be the leaders on this defense this year. Cause I, I know Coney Durr will be a leader because he's been here for six years and he has been a starter for at least three years. So. Yeah, I agree with that. Oh, I think, uh, Steven Ortiz got a little uh, later start, at least, than Justin Wally, because Wally played in the uh, spring game, and he had more uh, spring camp to work with. Mm-hmm. I believe Ortiz was still kind of uh, graduating from high school and during that time. So uh, I don't know how quick it'll be for him to play at early this year, but by the end of the year, and I think going into next year, he could carve out a role. Yeah. Um, so kind of going into I th- what I see as a matchup that uh, – Uh, the Gophers need to win is uh, their experience front seven and pass rush and defensive line against Ohio State's offensive line. Uh, I feel like the Gophers need to get pressure on C.J. Stroud because they can't just let uh, him settle in, like we said, in the pocket and get comfortable. They need to make him uncomfortable, get pressure on him, uh, blitz him from all angles, and – make sure that he uh, doesn't settle into his first career start and make it hard for him. And I think uh, the Gophers match up great in that department because they have just as uh, much experience and honestly, maybe even talent as Ohio state's offensive line. Ohio state probably has uh, more uh, stars on their recruits, but the go there's a point where experience starts to matter. And I feel like, the uh, Gophers defensive line is so seasoned and a uh, veteran that I think it, they, that'll help them find success in that area in uh, this game. And I think they need to find success. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really excited to see uh, Minnesota's pass rush this year because last year 
Um, let's just say it wasn't a very good year, at least for the linebacking core for Minnesota. They had a tough time tackling, um, especially early on in games against Michigan, against Maryland. So I'm not worried about, um, you know, their D-line. Their D-line is going to have a great um, – going to have a great season. I don't know if they're going to have a great game against the Ohio state offensive line, but they're going to have a great season. So I too am excited for that matchup. Um, what I'm just excited for a little bit more than that is just, I really want to see this linebacking core have a great start to the season. Because if you look at tape against Michigan against Maryland, when they were really inexperienced last year, and now they're experienced, you know, guys like, you know, for example, Cody Lindenberg, um, He's a homegrown guy from Noka, Minnesota. He um, had a, he was kind of put in um, as a starter and he was kind of fresh, at, fresh faced. And uh, he, he didn't have a lot of experience last season. He played alongside Mario and sorry, Marin, that linebacking core and um, him and a few other linebackers had a tough start the last season tackling. I mean, Michigan and Maryland, um, Jake Funk and Michigan's running backs, um, Jake Funk on Maryland, they just ran all over him. Um, so it, I'm really excited for Cody Lindenberg, Mariana Sori, Marin, that linebacking core. Um, I really want to see them succeed. I really want to see them have a good year and I want to see him, you know, wrap up, make those tackles, um, you know, and get, you know, get some stops. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, the Gophers, obviously they brought in, uh, Abilene Christian, uh, transfer Jack Gibbons, who I think will have a role, uh, as, uh, at linebacker this year. Um, so, uh, Lindenberg might maybe even not be asked to do as much as this year and heading into his sophomore year. So it should be interesting what rotation that Joe Rossi decides to go with in this game. But I agree. I think this matchup is going to be huge in determining if the Gophers are able to uh, keep up with Ohio State. And Joe Rossi, I always see him in practice with the linebackers. He's a linebacker guy. And uh, Cody Lindbergh, just to stay on him, he had a great end to the season. I mean, he had a good um, game against Nebraska. Um, the linebacking core in general, I think, did really well against um, Wisconsin. They're, you know, Wisconsin always – they have their Wisconsin offensive line. They have running backs. They had a great game. So I want to see this front seven, unlike um, in 2020, succeed on a tackling front and then get some stops and then let this offense work because no Gopher fans should be worried about their offense. The defense still coming into this year is a tiny bit of a question mark, not on D-line, but with their linebackers um, and their secondary. But um, it's – the Gophers are not going to have nearly um, or anywhere close to their defensive struggles that they had last season. But if they want to have another season like 2019, where they had just, you know, guys like Antoine Winfield Jr., um, Carter Coughlin, Kamal Martin, just absolute playmakers. Um, and they went 10 and two that season. So if you want to get to that level, you got to have, not just way better defensive play than 2020, but incredible defensive play. So we'll see. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, kind of going into, uh, we've we've talked about most of it, but uh, going into the Gophers' path of victory into this game, uh, neither one of us will give our official prediction because we are uh, covering the game. Um, but I feel like if the Gophers want to keep up with, with Ohio State, like I've said, they need to uh, – 
use uh, the crowd noise and the home field advantage to their advantage. And they need to limit the three and outs, limit the short drives, limit the punts, and win the turnover battle. Because I feel like that's the easiest way to keep the crowd in the, in the game, uh, even keep the players engaged and keep them fired up the whole game. And I feel yeah. like uh, going back to the Penn State game a few years ago, I feel like that was one of the biggest reasons uh, why – uh, the, the crowd was so hyped throughout the game. Because that initial Antoine Winfield interception, I was there in the student section. People were going crazy. So, yeah. Yeah, you got to give them big plays to root for. And, uh, I feel like a turnover is kind of the biggest play to root for because the, the crowd's almost like not expecting it at all. A touchdown's a little different because you're obviously on the offensive side of the ball. But I, I think those big plays are going to be huge. And then uh, just pressuring C.J. Stroud in his first career start, I think, it's going to be important to not let him get comfortable and force him into bad decisions and make him uncomfortable. Yeah. Now winning the turnover battle is huge. Um, also like limiting three and outs. I'll talk about limiting three and outs and I'll talk about winning the turnover battle. Um, limiting three and outs is also a big deal. Um, it'll be interesting to see PJ Fleck um, at least in this game, uh, more so in road games, PJ Fleck, um, my, my biggest issue with PJ Fleck is that he uses his timeouts way too early in halves. Um, and that that's just his thing. He can use his timeouts wherever. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they're, they really need to be used, but um, by limiting three and outs, I'm not sure. Um, you know, sometimes if Ohio state knows that Mo is going to be getting the ball and they're going to be stopping him and the Gophers aren't going to have a great time passing. If Chris Altman Bell isn't playing and the wide receivers can't get separation, you know, that's huge. And, um, you know, going with that timeout, like usually PJ Fleck would take timeouts and like um, a third down where he doesn't really like, like Tanner Morgan doesn't really like what the play is or what's going on. He will take a timeout and then they'll run another play and then they'll have a three and out. I mean, I saw that a lot um, in the Iowa game um, last season, um, the one I actually covered at. So, you know, limiting three and outs, it's a key for any team in any game, but um, I don't really think the Gophers will have an issue with that um, going into this game and winning the turnover battle. Like you said, um, it gets the crowd hyped. Um, also in the, um, in the ax game in 2019 where the Gophers had a great start. They went up seven zero and then they got, um, I forgot how they got a fumble. Um, I think, I forgot how they got a fumble after they got a touchdown the next drive or the drive after that, they got a fumble and then they went up 10 zero and they got a really good start in Wisconsin. Um, but we know how that game ended. So, um, and that got the crowd really hyped and really into it. Um, so um, winning the turnover battle again is huge. Yeah. Uh, we'll kind of leave on this uh, kind of on a lighter note, I guess. Uh, a lot of people were talking about uh, the Gophers' decision to wear the black uniforms in their uh, first game uh, at home, obviously. Uh, some people were upset there was no gold in the uniform, obviously, because we're the Golden Gophers. Um, I, I thought it was cool because they're going to be under the lights, the, the kind of the blackout theme with the dark maroon helmets. I think it's going to look cool. Uh, I hope that they don't use it, like overuse them because like I went to uh, Iowa State my freshman year of college. I, I've lived in Minnesota my whole life, so I've always been a Gophers fan. But uh, Iowa State, um, they, they wore black uniforms in their first night game of the year. And then they kind of wore them like the rest of the year. 
And I feel like that kind of like takes the luster off them because uh, like wearing black uniforms for like an 11 o'clock game against Purdue, I think would be kind of stupid. But uh, a, lo- a lot of people seem to have a lot of opinions on their decision to wear black uniforms. So what, what did you kind of think? Uh, I'm a traditionalist when it comes to uniforms. I love um, teams that have a great uniform and stick to it. Um, like Michigan, for example, I love Michigan's uniforms. They wear one home, they wear one away and they stick to it. Sometimes they'll throw like maybe a maze Jersey in there. That's fine. But you know, um, besides like, I understand if you're like Notre Dame and you have like a shamrock series thing, like I love Notre Dame shamrock series. And if you're Oregon, that's your brand. You have a different uniform, every game, um, you go to a school where the creator of Nike was, of course, you're going to have different uniform, every game. It's kind of cool to see that. With the Gophers, their uniform that they wore against Michigan in 2020 um, in the Outback Bowl against Auburn and against um, Penn State in 2019, where they have the gold helmet that, like, it looks like Notre Dame, but they have um, the Minnesota logo on it. And then they just have their maroon jerseys. And in Auburn, they in the Auburn Outback Bowl game, they just wore an away game version of that. I wish those were just their two uniforms because in my opinion, that's my favorite uniform in college football. Um, no bias or anything. It's just, it, um, it's just, it looks great. And, but um, you know, sometimes having some, you know, alternates like throwback uniforms or, you know, for this special of a game, if, you know, I don't know if the student section is going to be dressed all in black, if it's going to be a blackout theme, but you know, that's kind of cool. It's kind of interesting. I like the uniforms, but um, once again, like I'm more of a traditionalist um, and I really, really love the Gophers home uniforms with that gold Notre Dame style helmet with the all maroon rest of it. Um, but, you know, um, teams do what they got to do. Um, and, you know, now, you know, the Gopher football athletic program, they can sell jerseys, not just jerseys, but jerseys with names on the back. So they're probably going to get a lot of, you know, sales just in that department from, you know, wearing these uniforms this game but you know what i like the uniforms i'm excited it's a special game why not yeah i agree with that uh kind of before like we go, said, I'll, like, if, if if they wear these uniforms against like the miami red hawks um in the next game like i'm gonna be like come on guys no i completely agree with that i feel like the uh, big game under the lights week one it's cool to kind of do a new uniform yeah. I, I agree with you. I kind of find find myself somewhere in the middle between a traditionalist and uh, liking the insane uniforms. Because, I mean, like, if you look at the top programs in the country, the Alabamas, the Clemsons, the Ohio, they, they wear the same uniforms every game. They, they, yeah. They'll throw in an a alternate every once in a while. Like, yeah, like uh, Ohio State will have, like, a black jersey or something like that. Yep. Yeah, and, like, Clemson will have their uh, purple uniforms they wear sometimes. But, like, they're, they're traditional. Cool. Yeah. Clemson purple uniforms love those. So, yeah, yeah. No, th- those are one of my favorites. I have a Trevor Lawrence Clemson jersey and it's purple. But uh, yeah, before we go, I'll, I guess we'll kind of talk on uh, Chris Ottman Bell's injury, and I guess I guess what have you heard at uh, the media availability, and uh, do you think we'll see him week one? Yeah. So Chris Ottman Bell, he started out. I mean, when you got that injury, everybody's like, oh, God, oh, no, it's his because it's related to his knee. So everybody's like, please, no, please, no. And then unfortunately, PJ Fleck first came out and said he's week to week. We're going to do whatever's best for Chris. And then um, like that's always his quote. He's like, we're going to do whatever's best for Chris. Um, so and now in the last two press conferences, 
he's continued to say, like he started out saying he's somewhat day-to-day and now he's just day-to-day. So um, I think it'll be a game time decision against Ohio state, but I am actually confident that I think Ottman Bell is going to play in this game. I don't think, I think their game plan is going to change a tiny bit because I don't think he's going to be fully healthy. I think they're going to lean more on the run game. Um, But I think you're going to see number seven on the field playing wide receiver next Thursday against Ohio state. So, yeah, I agree with that. Uh, At yesterday's media availability, it kind of seemed like uh, he said that he's progressing very quickly. So uh, I don't worry about him at all. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, I, I feel like he's pretty confident in, he didn't say that he'll play, but I, I feel like he he was not he wasn't worried about him. So yeah, and um, by, by PJ Fleck not being worried, like PJ Fleck, he played wide receiver in college. He was a wide receiver and kind of punt return, kickoff return guy for the San Francisco 49ers. He knows wide receivers. And if he's not worried about his wide receiver group going into week one, that's a really good sign for go for football fans. So yeah, I agree with that. Um, so I, I guess that's all we got for you guys today. I appreciate you coming on, Matt, and uh, talking. And I appreciate the listeners tuning in. So uh, we'll be back sometime next week, and we'll have another episode for you. But uh, hopefully the Gophers can put together a, a fun game week one against Ohio State. Yeah, college football is back. Thanks, Tony, for having me on. Can't wait to get started. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.